video or listening to this episode of the Reforge Roundtable. We do this every Friday live on YouTube over at Reforge Gaming around 2 p.m. Eastern. Little late start today for those in the live audience. We were messing around with Call of Duty and then the YouTube website had a bunch of problems. So we had to reset stream and start over and it made us delay a little bit. But I am joined by 30 and Still Gaming. We got a lot of topics for you. Thanks for being here, Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm going to be ending the previous stream, so if you're over there watching the Call of Duty gameplay, it's going to bring you over. Members, don't forget that tonight is a Call of Duty community game night. You unlock that as a great feature, so get that beta installed and ready to roll. And we have been actually enjoying that uh, beta quite a bit. That's going to be our lead topic to start off the roundtable, as well as some interesting things about how they're going to be handling the Diablo beta, what's going on with God of War Ragnarok, and then Mike's going to be talking about leaks, leaks, and more leaks. We got Diablo 4 leaking GTA and then Titanic for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. And then insider information about Halo trying to be Destiny. And then the members only after show, we're going to discuss Twitch. I don't like talking about that platform on our public streams, but we'll uh, we'll give you the goods and the spice and what we think in the after show. That's a good reason to be a member. So everybody that's come over from Redirector, everybody in the live audience, do me a favor. We need those likes. It's been a rough day on the platform, but you guys have been amazing. Let's have one more big push. So let's just let's just talk about the Call of Duty beta first. It's on everybody's mind. I was just playing and everybody came over. And there there seems to be a consensus from some pockets that this thing has brought back the Call of Duty of old. And then there's the people that have been playing extremely hardcore recently. They're slide canceling. They're they know all the tricks and all of the the great ways to play and they seem to be a little irritated they don't like the direction that the game is taken and i'm just curious we, we let's just kick off with that like what what's a franchise supposed to do when it's been around this long and at every level that it tries to innovate it seems to be appealing to a pocket of the community that actually hasn't played in a long time and then the people that are a little bit more committed and have been playing quite a bit they seem to be saying, I'm canceling my pre-orders, like hardcore players seem to be revolting. We have a reaction video that's going to be hitting Reforge Reacts, where it's literally one of the bigger Call of Duty YouTubers, prestigious key, like a million subscribers, and he's really unhappy with some of their ideas about perks, and dead silence, and the mini-map, like, you don't show up on the mini-map now just because you're shooting your gun. They'd rather right. people, you know, try to use sound. So, what do you make of this, Mike? I mean, Call of Duty's been around a long time, and this seems to be innovation that should work, because I'm not running on walls and double jumping, but I am playing what feels like a classic Call of Duty Modern Warfare experience. I I talked about this a little bit last night, and I'm a weird breed here, because I played Call of Duty, every Call of Duty, up to the last Modern Warfare 2. Like, I love Call of Duty, the original... you know the the first one up to modern warfare 2 and then when they switched from modern warfare 2 originally and i think it was was it world at war or was it black ops um when they they switched from modern warfare to those they lost me because i didn't like the changes they were making with the you know the zombie modes and stuff like that like i I was talking about this last night i was saying i if i want to play a certain game for instance, like if I want to play a looter shooter, I, I go play that looter shooter. I don't want the game that I loved for what it was, if it was Battlefield, if it was Call of Duty, to lose, in my opinion, their identity of what they were 
to try something new. Now, I totally get it because you're like, how long or what do the developers have to do to keep it fresh and whatnot? And going, going, like, I played Call of Duty for, you know, five, six years straight. And then all of a sudden they lost me just like they just like Bungie lost me with destiny right i played it for so long and when it first came out all you could think of with call of duty or battlefield is oh my god this is so good when you're not playing you're thinking about playing it and you're you're, you're playing with your buds you're having a bland, uh, you know grand old time and then the next one comes out and you're comparing it to the first one you've ever played and you're like oh they made some they made some adjustments the graphics are better the movement's better the gun sounds better and then the third one comes out and then the fourth one comes out and then it starts to get old for you, right? You kind of get burnt out a little bit where there's all these other games coming out, but you're still playing Call of Duty where it's just like a, like a Madden, right? Madden doesn't really change over the years. FIFA doesn't really change over the years. They just update the roster. With these, with these first-person shooter games, they have to change them in a way to keep it fresh, but at the same time, they might lose the identity of what it is. Same with, uh, with Battlefield. Battlefield, to me, has lost its identity. Uh, 2042 that's why i'm not playing that as well so i think it's hard it, it's a hard balance for the devs to add something uh warzone made that sh uh, switch with uh with the battle royale to compete with with fortnite and whatnot uh which is a completely different that's more popular than the actual regular call of duty right like the warzone is like phenomenally like it's it's up there it's always top uh, on on the streaming sites the uh the youtube channels like so people love what that is now they're changing it again right but the nostalgia is kicking in for these people that are coming back in for modern warfare 2 right they use that they use that name purposefully because the people like myself that remember what modern warfare 2 was in the past you're like that was my favorite call of duty and you're like oh maybe i should check it out maybe maybe i should jump back in uh on this and i think that's where it is and then people that have been playing since world at war or, or, or black ops now it's going trying to change again and those people are losing what they think the identity is of call of duty and now it's switching to the new brand so like your son or daughter or my son when they get a little older and they start playing these games this is call of duty for their time for their generation and they'll grow up with the next five six seven years and they won't even think about the old call of duty they'll be like oh this is so much fun this is so great until they swap it again and change it for the next group you know what i mean yeah yeah that I was having a lot of fun today until I got to the M16. So the the way they're doing unlocks, it's there's good and there's bad, right? So if you if you have shared unlocks, like if there's a bunch of things you can put on the M4 AR, which is like one of the first weapons you can use, and then you get a new weapon, you use that weapon for like a little bit and you unlock some of the slots, you already have attachments for those slots. You're not starting over from ground zero. So when you use the gun, you're unlocking stuff for that class of gun, not for that gun specific. It's confusing because the, <laughs> sh the shared attachments, there are attachments for the M4 assault rifle that work okay. on a submachine gun because they're in sort of like the same tree. They're, they're in this same area where the M4 leads to a battle rifle and an LMG, and then okay. that leads to an SMG and then the M16. So it's like this weird like triangle tree it kind of looks like a uh the reverse of a tournament bracket you know how a, a tournament bracket starts wide and gets narrow this starts yeah. narrow and gets wide and so as you're doing this you know you're unlocking things and at one level it's nice it's like oh there are shared attachments so when i start using this smg after one match i've gotten enough stuff to where i'm like oh here's attachments that are shared that are already unlocked i've got a red dot i've got a grip i've got a couple of things because in the past 
the minute you switch to a new weapon, it's it's just iron sights. You got you're starting at ground zero, nothing to put on it. And this hmm. is meant to sort of jumpstart every time you pick up a new weapon. You should have some stuff to put on it right away. The problem with that is it works in both directions. So while you're getting shared attachments on the M4 that will work on guns beyond it, it works in the reverse. So I have to use the M16 to unlock the rest of the attachments for the M4. And if you don't like the M16, it can be very frustrating. I was having a really hard time with it because it's not really my style. The The, the meta right now is everybody's spraying SMGs. Surprise, surprise, Call of Duty. SMGs are the meta right out of the gate. And it's like I'm being forced to play poorly because near the end of the last match, I knew I was like, we're going to win. So I stopped trying to use my M16 for unlocks and I started using my SMG and obviously, I started rocking. I started getting kills. I started moving. I, all of a sudden, I had all this momentum. And it was 100% weapon dependent. It was like, you're making me use a weapon that I'm not in the mood to use right now. So there's trade-offs. Yeah. Like, there's good and bad here. I, I'm curious where people are going to land on that sense of, you've got to use these other weapons. What What do you feel... Because I read that they're they're having that raid that's coming into Call of Duty, right? Yeah. And speaking, uh, speaking of changing the format of what a game is mm-hmm. like are you excited for a raid i mean when when you have a raid like you think rewards right so like what type of rewards are you gonna get you think they're gonna put like mods or attachments that are inside there they're gonna put weapons inside there is it is call of duty gonna be trying to become you know the destiny or a uh, division or you know an outriders like it, what what do you think about that That one's tough for me because I have had a very pleasant experience covering Call of Duty Modern Warfare this week because in the past when we would cover Call of Duty, you get all like the toxic kids in the chat and it just doesn't seem worth it. You almost feel dirty afterwards. You're like, wow, we we had a lot of people tune in, but nobody that I would really want to have ever come back to my channel. And then we covered it on Monday and yesterday. I couldn't believe the turnout and so many of the people were clearly my age and being like matured adults having a conversation about the game. And I even said something today and yesterday. I was like, this has been so pleasant. And a bunch of people chimed in. They're like, yeah, I'm in my 40s and I've played since the beginning. I'm like, I'm I'm in my 40s. I've played since the beginning. I think there's this resurgence of the old school guys are coming back to the game, which makes me very hopeful about the raids. I'm like, this could be a great game for what I like to do. I like to break down content loops and weapons, and I cut my teeth as a streamer doing raids with a live audience. So I'm, I'm excited to think that, you know, Call of Duty could have a regular presence as a content creator, but then as a gamer, I'm like, this could be the way to innovate on... Everybody loves the tight shooting feel of Call of Duty, yeah, it's always been good. Yeah. And they've reworked it. The entire shooting mechanics and gun system's been rebuilt in this. It's supposed to get rid of head glitching. I don't know. I, I still felt like that was kind of happening on some of the rooftops. It was like I could only see their head and they were still able to kind of shoot over the ledge. That could be a perspective thing because I was low. But the gunplay does feel very good. And I'm thinking, man, oh man, I'd love to play a raid with this level of gunplay because there's only a handful of shooters out there that people would hail as the best. There's, you know, Titanfall 1 and 2, Apex, Destiny's definitely at the top or tied at the top with, with a handful of these. I think Modern Warfare 2 might edge the rest out because it'll just it's just going to feel newer and crisper in comparison. 
so, so, so I have a, a theory that when you were speaking, I just thought about it, right? Call of Duty is going to be, it's going to be bought by Microsoft, right? Like Microsoft is going to take over Blizzard and they're going to own, own ownership of that. Do you believe because, and I, I'm not trying to break into the Halo Infinite talk, but Halo Infinite was supposed to be like that Destiny-esque type of thing, but they just didn't do very well, right? Mm -hmm. And now, now Microsoft is buying Activision and Activision's trying to make call of duty i mean it's the second best battle royale out there right now right arguably mm -hmm. and then now they're adding raid like missions inside their game and now it will be owned by microsoft so do you think in some way shape or form they're adding this because microsoft wanted that competitor to destiny and then they went out and paid 70 million you know 70 billion dollars to get call of duty and diablo and all those do you think they're trying to make call of duty into maybe something along the lines of that looter-esque destiny and not not trying to say yep. destiny killer in any way shape or form what i'm saying sure. is they halo bombed at what they were trying to do and yet the next best shooter like that people are really excited about is call of duty right and if they yep. could take the awesome gunplay of call of duty and then make the battle royale like the way they did now they can try to dabble their toes into other elder realms like to compete with like a destiny or division type of thing i this would have had to been in production for too long for it to be related to microsoft but i wonder if blizzard activision said look we have 11 studios working on call of duty why don't we branch out into the more serious pve elements i mean look at the viewership that destiny gets when they have a brand new raid it's bonkers right. like that's that level of marketing think about that level of marketing destiny's nothing compared to call of duty so if call of duty has a raid and has a raid race it would be at the level of some of their bigger esports events it would absolutely overshadow even the the biggest peaks that the destiny's ever had for raid viewership so they may have looked at that and also looked at you know the more MMO style more hobbyist style players that don't necessarily want to live in the meat grinder of right. team deathmatch <laughs> you know and I, that's why I've been enjoying invasion because it, it just it's it's got so much in it that I like it's got that attrition thing from Titanfall where I can kind of branch out and go kill bots if I want to do that I can kill live players. It's a big enough scope that it's enjoyable. The only problem they're going to have to work on is ultimately winning Invasion, you push the other team back, and oh. then if you're if you're that other team, it pretty much sucks because you're running out and like you're just a spawn, you're just trapped in spawn. Right. But when the gameplay is tight and good, I had I had much better matches near the end where the games were close and nobody was trapped in spawn. It was literally a race to the top score, which just feels fun and awesome. And it's a great place to work on unlocks. So I feel like they're really trying to hit a variety. They've got Search and Destroy, and then they added Prisoner Rescue, which feels a little bit more like Trials meets Rainbow Six Siege. It's like you can res your teammates, but you're also trying to protect or steal hostages. It's round-based, and the revives really changes it up. So it's not like Search and Destroy where you're out, you're out, you're out, you're laying there waiting to get a revive. So that, that appeals to that crowd. Then you have, you know, just the classic modes. And then you right. have this mode Invasion, which is like Ground War. It's big. It honestly feels like Battlefield. They're dropping, they're dropping tanks and they're dropping um, AI on the map. They're dropping vehicles. And then raids. And it's like, there's, and, and, suppo and supposed to have a great campaign. That campaign trailer was amazing on the boat. And the boat was like right. rocking. And 
I, I think they're trying to hit that in t- like entire spectrum. Wherever you are as a history, as a gamer or a Call of Duty fan, there's something, there's something in this for you. game in yeah, for, you. Yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah, I could the, the more you're talking about it, I can see like the the ground war. I never I didn't really pay attention to that. That would interest me. I, I've been playing Hell Let Loose, which is because I, I used to be a I was more of a Battlefield fan than a Call of Duty fan because I like the team based aspect of Battlefield where Call of Duty always felt that like you're you're a lone wolf type of thing. Yep. And and Battlefield now changed from what they were. So there's this game called Hell Let Loose. I don't know if you've ever played it. It's much slower, mm-hmm. uh, but much more tactical, and it's really a lot of fun. But now that Call of Duty has got the ground war, maybe I'll maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll I'll get in there with the big battle uh, areas and stuff like that. But the raid the raid does seem interesting to me. But I'm I'm gonna wait. Like I'm gonna wait because. If it's a fly-by-night thing, because they took resources from one thing and gave it to this thing to give, you know, in the game. So something's got to give. And if it works well and the 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 population, the gamers start talking about it and it starts to get a little bit of, uh, you know, momentum, maybe when they come out with their second raid or something, then I'll then I'll jump in. When it's, it's a proven concept, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big... For me personally, I'm, I'm kind of like out of Call of Duty. And the Modern Warfare 2 name interests me but i'm still not a i'm still not jumping back in i I, i'm trying to maybe dip my toe in. i'm not going to dive in head first into into the into the game well the open beta for everybody starts tomorrow you don't have to pre-order if you want to play tomorrow through monday so i'd recommend booting it up and trying out invasion because the unlock system is kind of frustrating but you unlock things so fast in invasion because there's so much going on there's so many bots to kill so many people to kill there's so many gunfights now somebody said they had an easier time with the m16 once they got to it they went to team deathmatch because it's a little bit more tighter because the m16's time to kill is really rough and I was using it on bots and it was kind of helping so yeah I would recommend just trying that and then if and if you can get a team, try out Prisoner Rescue. Actually, try out Prisoner Rescue solo because we found they seem to be overreacting when you squad up. Like they're afraid you're going to pub stomp, I guess. And so when we squatted up, we played three games in a row. I think, I think we scored 50 points. It wasn't even sweaty. We, we, were, we were nothing. We just got shredded. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like, oh, you're squatting up? Here are, here are people who don't do anything else but play this game. Like they were all right. max level... They were all wearing sweatbands, snorting G Fuel. I was like, what the frick's going on? And and then the guys I was playing let's go, with... Let's go, bro, let's go! Yeah, yeah, let's go! The, the guys I was playing with, they played solo, and as soon as they all went solo, they all had much better games. Like, it was like, it was like a light switch got flipped off. And what was crazy to me, I played the weekend before solo, and I loved Prisoner Rescue. I was like, this is so fun. The revives, the map control, you know, defending hostages... when you're actually one of the ones getting the hostages like you throw them on your shoulder and you can only use a pistol like it's really really fun but man oh man they really overreact when you squad up in that mode they just they put you against the absolute sweatheads which it makes sense I guess if they're going to try to pit you against another squad anybody squatting up in those modes is going to be like on comms like left left they're on the left flank like they're going to be taking it really serious they don't know if you're new or not they're just like hey you're a group maybe they're organized let's throw you up against somebody that's right that's right that's right so those would be some of my cautions like enjoy invasion enjoy prisoner rescue if you're going to squat up i would stay out of prisoner rescue because it is so wet but 
invasion is a blast my only i was only frustrated today because of the weapons i was being forced to use as soon as i was using the subby and i felt comfortable i was loving it i was like i'm getting kills i'm getting kill streaks i'm throwing down this portable radar thing i was i was absolutely loving it so it's you know free to try tomorrow through monday oh, to anybody is that watching. what you did you threw you threw something over like at a garbage can and then you brought out a tablet is that what you threw down that was the radar thing you, well, you were seeing me do multiple things. So the thing that I threw down, it's a portable radar that I get every so often. I gotcha. I had a portable camera, which was fun in Prisoner Rescue, because I'd throw it on the wall, and I'm, like, marking the enemies, and my teammates know where they are, and they're shooting them, and I'm getting points. Ah. But in Invasion, portable radar is great. Like, you get up on a rooftop or in a building, you throw that down, and you're like, you know where everybody is. Because the minimap doesn't show people just because they're shooting anymore like you have to try to track their audio there's a lot of complaining about that i actually love that i love being forced to play more dynamic like i hear gunfire i have to react to the gunfire instead of just instantly looking at radar and being like he's in the corner you know and then the thing I pulled out was uh, was a kill streak, the tablet, and I like dropped some bombs. Oh, uh, okay. So you you got five you got five in a row, and that's why you got rewarded with the tablet. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and killing the AI counts toward your kill streak. I oh, think there is they, AI. Yeah, and and that's what makes invasion fun is you get one point for killing an AI, you get five for killing a live player. So when you uh, kill a live player, it's obvious. Like a red I, box I, pops up, you get more points. I thought something was weird because I didn't know there was bots. And when you were killing some of the guys, I was like, I was like, that guy didn't even know it. Like, didn't even react to you. Like, he yeah. was just like at the top of the car and you like shot him. And I was like, I was like, man, that guy's really bad. I didn't know there was bots. All right. So that makes you, that makes sense. It'll it'll mess you up because you'll go from killing people that are like, Durr, and then yeah, all of a like sudden some guy flies yeah. around the corner and you're like, oh, that's a real player. I'm dead. <laughs> So you, you that guy's to, actually moving oh my god yeah, they come sliding around the corner and you have like a heart attack you're like it's a real pirate like and then you're <laughs> then you're dead it reminds so, me of Fortnite. when remember when Fortnite we they had the bots and no oh, one knew there was gosh, bots and yeah they were just like like turning sideways and you're like okay that either that guy is not all up there or yeah. that's a bot yeah well the bots always did the same thing they would shoot and they jump once yeah. and then they'd go <laughs> ramp wall yeah, and you're yeah. like what are you doing yeah. What's the matter with you? And then you'd shoot their <laughs> wall down and kill them. It's like, oh my gosh. They were just going through like a ritual of movement. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I, I think that mode's going to be a big hit. I do. I think the people that get sick of the meat grinder of Team Deathmatch or the sweat fest of the competitive modes, I think Invasion's going to be super popular because it's just so fun and open. I was going way out along the wings and going up the sides and you see the helicopters come in and they drop all the bots off and I'm just like taking the bots out <laughs> and then getting my team a UAV for that, you know, that early that early right. advantage. And Manage. that feels that feels cool because I know that's not this big play. I know I didn't make some big play like some pro, but I did that, and then all of a sudden I see our score going up because, like, all of a sudden my right. teammates are like, "Oh, we have a UAV." Right. You feel like you contributed something towards the actual match, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the mini map change. People that don't like the mini map change, they think you should show up on radar when you shoot your gun. I actually like it for a couple of reasons. A second reason I like it: it makes UAV way more valuable. It makes portable radar way more valuable. It's now you need to you need to use something to know precise locations instead of just waiting for somebody to shoot, which 
I think it's promoting more engagement. In in times past, as soon as you shot your weapon, anybody in ten meter range is like, oh, he's right there, and whoosh, all of a sudden they're right, they're, swarming. they're yeah, swarming you. Now it's a little less like that. They know your general proximity, but they don't know right where you are, which I think promotes lots of gunfights that I enjoy, like I'll shoot a couple of guys and then all of a sudden I hear footsteps. I'm like, oh, somebody's coming for me. They heard my gun and I can kind of, you know, wait for them or or, or try to uh, try to, you know, press the issue and, and push out first. And I, I've, I've enjoyed that and I've enjoyed UAVs and counter UAVs feeling a lot more important than they have in the past. Yeah, see, my, my, my war, like I love like Hell Let Loose. I, again, I don't know if you've ever played it. Have you ever played Hell Let Loose? I have not. Okay. There, it's hardcore mode all the time. There's no kill cam, right? When you shoot somebody across the way, you don't even know if you if you hit them, right? You have to listen to this like little sound. It sounds like a ding, you know, like a little a little thing if you hit them in the head or whatnot, mm-hmm. or it's like, like a little thud sound. But you, if you're not paying attention, you don't know if you're hitting these people. So when you're talking and when you're playing Hell Let Loose, there's no UAVs, there's no nothing, right? So you have to listen to the sounds and the other calls and push up slowly. It's much slower. But I I love that type of battle and that type of war. Other than what Battlefield is now, what Call of Duty is just fast paced, running through the hallways. There's UAVs and different different radar things, and everyone knows where you are at all times. And that I I don't know if it's maybe I'm just too old, and and I'm just like you know what I like it a little bit more slow slow pace now than I, than I did when I was younger. I don't know. I, it doesn't appeal to me anymore. I didn't know that the mini map was doing that, and. It made, I didn't know why this was happening, but last week when I was playing Prisoner Rescue, it made it more intense because I would hear gunfire, I would see my teammate go down, and I'd be like, oh no, there's somebody over there, and I didn't know where they were. And I Mm -hmm. thought maybe they were running a perk set or something. I was like, I have no idea where that person is. It made it really like intense, like tactical. Like I've got to engage this guy. I know he's in that room. No idea where he was. Now, if I saw him on the radar, I could bum rush him, catch him on the reload. He's in the corner. I saw him. Like, I just run in the room, and then I get him. And so I enjoyed that it forces you to play more tactical. Like if, And this is where good players and hardcore players shouldn't be complaining. If you're a really good player, you should be able to beat these people. You should be able to enter the room with intelligence and tactically you know, scan, check your corners, have your aim at, at shoulder head length. I, you know, I'm not that player. I'm a dum dum, and I enjoyed the fact that I've I've got to play smart here, or or that guy's going to get me too. He's going to come over here and, and, and kill me as well. So I I didn't know why that was happening, but the experience I thought was enjoyable. So, so open beta for every every console this weekend, every platform except for the Switch, obviously. Oh, well, um, oh, right. I was I was going to go play it on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ten frame ten frames a second. Here we come. Yeah. Anybody on PlayStation can play it right now. And okay. if you if you pre-order on PC and Xbox, you can play right now. And some people are saying, well, they don't bill you for the game until it's close to launch, so they're pre-ordering okay. to see if they like it, and then they're gonna cancel if they don't like it. Or Got you can it. just or you can just wait till tomorrow, it'll be open for everybody. So Okay. Well cool. worth I'll checking try it. out. Yeah. In the realm of betas, and I think this is this is huge for you and I, because we, we, we covered Destiny for all those years and always are thinking about Endgame, always are thinking about content loops. Diablo is Diablo 4 is going to be doing a closed beta of their endgame. So they're not gonna do an end they're not gonna do like a, a, a vertical slice, they're not gonna do a here come play an hour of the story. They're not even gonna let anybody see the story because of spoilers. They're gonna let there's four things you're gonna be able to do. Uh 
Fields Fields of the Oh golly, can I remember them all? Fields of the Damned, Helltide, Nightmare Dungeons, and Shadows something. There's a fourth thing called Shadows or something. I, I don't have my outline in front of me from the other day. But they're gonna let people do play all of that stuff. It's gonna be closed beta under NDA. And they want to make sure they're getting the end game right. Now, obviously, there's only so much they can do between now and when it launches. A lot of people are anticipating a summer launch for this game or or second quarter, first or second quarter. I think it's going to land in the summer. What do you think about this? But my my big question was, is this the future for live service? Do, 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 Do people need to basically be like, come play our end game? Our game is launching in nine months, but please come play our end game because we need we need input. We need to know how this is going to work. Well, I thought that was interesting because when you were talking about it the other day, I was like, oh, let me go sign up for the beta because I didn't I didn't hear. I've been sick, so I haven't been really following along a lot of stuff. And when they announced the beta, it, it kind of goes into one of the other stories I'm going to talk about about the leak of Diablo, right? Where a leak happened this past weekend, about 40 minutes worth of gameplay, and then all of a sudden Blizzard comes out and says, hey, we're we're giving a beta open beta or, or closed beta but uh, we're giving a beta of the end game i was like oh that's that's kind of interesting that they something leaked and you saw some footage of behind the scenes of closed uh, closed stuff and then someone leaked it and then now they, they came out with this and i was like let me sign up for it what i thought was interesting was they only letting the people that played diablo 2 and diablo 3 end game stuff to get mm. first dibs in on this. And I thought that was interesting because at that moment I was like, oh man, I don't have, I, I haven't played Diablo in years, right? And I was like, maybe I'll go pick it up and I'll start playing to get to end game. But I was like, is it really worth it? Or am I going to have time to sign up and play all that to get to end game? And I was like, probably not. But I thought it was interesting that they decided to take the people that are still playing their game, Diablo 2 or Diablo 3, and are playing the end game and said, hey, we would like, because you guys are playing our game, you guys are loyal fans of our game, and we're going to give you first dibs. If you sign up and you and you have end game experience with these two games, then you'll get first dibs with Diablo 4. And I do think that's I, I do think that's cool, the way they do that. And I do believe that is more of the future um, as far as testing the, the, uh, the, the end game type of content. Now, as far as demos go i don't know why this is a thing that went away in the past remember the magazines you used to get at your barnes and nobles or whatever and you would buy a magazine and there'd be a little disc in the back and there'd be like five games on there and there was like demos that you could play like that was genius back then because you're like oh destruction derby i remember as a kid i i I played demolition derby is what it was and I never even bought the game. I just played the demo over and over and over because I was a kid and I had no money. And I was just like, I'm just going to play this one mission demo. But demos were fantastic because you could play the demo and then mm-hmm. you're like, I'm going to buy the game because I'm interested in it. I don't know why more people didn't do do this now. Like, for instance, Tunic had a beta last year. And when I played that little beta, I was like, dude, I'm buying this game ASAP as soon as it comes out. And I did, right? So I don't know why the industry has gotten away from demos and betas instead they went with alphas and 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 uh, and and whatnot and they early access and they charge people money for it but it goes a really long way if you could sign up and play the beta and and if you know how to sign up for these betas and most of these things like i always get keys as a streamer the companies give you keys and stuff like that and you can sign up but for average joe that doesn't know about this type of stuff it would be nice if it was they made it more apparent like hey this game is coming out in nine months. You can sign up for a beta right now. Even Battlefield did this, where they gave you ten hours of of um, 
uh, play time before the game launched, right? I still have six hours of my 10 hour play time that I can still use playing Battlefield to check it out again if I want to. So it's smart. I think this is the future, them making more demos or betas. Now, does PlayStation lock that behind the, the paywall of PlayStation Plus? I think that's what they're doing with the demos, right? Does Xbox, they have the preview program, which is sort of like a demo type of thing. Uh, do they open it up where if you just have Game Pass, you can try these games out? Still a paywall uh, type of thing. But I do, I do think this is the future, even though it was the past, now coming back to the present, right? That you play the demo, it's, that that sells, right? That sells. People liked Outriders when they, when they played the little beta of that. More people bought the game. So it, it, it makes sense. Now, I hope... Diablo 4, but between now, closed end game and summer or whenever the game comes out, they have an open beta to have the rest of the people try it out. You know what I mean? Just a one weekend, whatever, to try out the end game, give you a max character and, and try it out. I think that would be much smarter. Um, but at the, at the end, at the same time, by the time Diablo 4 comes out, the acquisition might go through and Diablo 4 might be on Game Pass regardless, right? So, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, as far as, you know, demos go, trials go, you know, betas and, and endgame, I I think this is the path forward Sure. for live service games. And the, the making people, well, I guess not making, but only bringing people in who have been playing a lot of endgame recently, one of the reasons I think they're doing that is I believe they're going to iterate on a lot of the things that they were doing in Diablo 3, so they want that to be like a point of reference like hey this has been enhanced and changed so nightmare dungeons for example are going to be a pretty blatant iteration and and change from rifts you know the rift system in diablo right. 3 and there's 150 dungeons in diablo 4 and they're going to wow. be random they're going to be randomly generated so they're going to take that tech and they're going to shove it into the game so just you're just going into dungeons and they're always different and then so isn't there more than 150 then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess what some kind of quintillion number. Yeah, whatever it would be. Whatever the number is, it's bonkers. It's almost as many plants as Starfield, right? Almost. <laughs> almost, yeah, a thousand. Um, so I, I, th- I think that this is this is the right call. Let the more committed players come in. The sure. only concern I have about that, okay, is and this is something we really really stressed the other day. If you're going to have an end game in, in games like this, I actually think you need to have it set up to where maybe more casual players can enjoy it. And when I say casual, I don't mean somebody who's playing the game, you know, once every 60 days. I mean, somebody who maybe hasn't been playing as much, but is willing to play, you know, every weekend. Right. So, so maybe, so maybe they don't have as many hours. Maybe they're not a hardcore player, but they play regularly enough that your end game needs to work for them too. That would be my only concern about the way they're qualifying it is you're going to end up with this incredible hardcore base providing feedback, and if they cater too much of the end game to those people, we saw what that happened. It pushes people out, yeah. Well, Destiny 2 spent two years removing streamer feedback. There was all this streamer feedback that they put into the game. I I remember I I had a laundry list of stuff I would tell people. I'm like, this is all from the streamer community that, that, by the way, they all went to that summit, and... They spent two years systematically removing all that feedback. And it's not that streamers can't have good input. It's that when they're one of the sole sources of your input, it gets really slanted. That'd be my only concern with this beta is that the the people coming in are all going to be the same shade 
on the spectrum of engagement hours and just really hardcore and then you're going to make the end game for those people instead of making it for you know the spectrum of player so you're saying for the beta open it up to the more casual player not end game itself to the casual player because to get to end game during the normal game I mean, you still have to put the amount of time in, right? Like, yep. if, it, if it takes 50 hours to get to endgame, you have to put... doesn't matter if you put 50 hours in in a week or you put 50 hours in five months, right? So you're talking about the beta. Get get feedback from the casual yes. players. Yeah, but, okay. It, it, in, that, in that conversation, though, what would a casual player that's never played a Diablo before, they just notice that, hey, it looks pretty cool, I'm going to try it, they get into the endgame and start playing... Mm-hmm. what type of feedback, I mean, obviously it's a generic question, but what type of good feedback could a person that's never played a looter like that before, but now is coming in to give that they haven't heard before, right? Like they're, they're going to think that, oh, I have this great idea. You should color code this, these these items. And everyone's like, uh, yeah, it, it's already like that, buddy. And they're like, oh, I, well, I didn't know. I've never played before. Like, what do you mean when you say casual person? What kind of feedback mm-hmm. are they giving to these devs? I think I'm more referring, this is why it's always hard, because you have to kind of define casual for every, you have to define it for every conversation that you're having. Because the other day somebody said, well, when I think of a casual, I think of somebody who hasn't, you know, plays, they play the game like once every six months. I'm like, why even call them a casual at that point? They're not even playing the game. Like, a casual has to be, in my mind, at least regularly engaging with the game to even be included in this spectrum. There's people who play literally every day for long hours, and then in my mind, a casual is somebody who enjoys playing, but they play for shorter spurts of time. They like, right, they, like three they, times a week for like an hour or something like that. Yeah, so they just can't quite put in the same number of hours, but I still think the end game needs to work for them. And the reason I think that, I think there's a huge demographic of people who will play a game like this for years and they will play it in a more casual way. Now they're not a casual like they it's not they're not a let's call them fair weather fan. They're not a fair weather fan who plays once for like oh I beat the campaign and then I'm done. They're not a fair right. weather fan who like makes a seasonal character and gives up after one play session. They are they're on the spectrum of engaged player but they just engage less often once or twice a week for shorter periods of time. I think that's a very important demographic for for a game like Diablo, who I'm certain wants to go for 10 years or more, because I'm looking at games like Destiny and New World, and I'm telling you, that's a large portion of the player base that really just keeps on trucking. Not everybody lives... I mean, I don't think Destiny anticipated most of their player base living in the public space, but they still make raids, and they still have trials. Yeah. Uh, so much of the player base just run circles in the public space and run strikes. So I think if you can consider that and create spectrum so that your end game isn't too lopsided. I think sometimes people hear me talking like this and they're worried that like just those players having input is a threat to the game. It's like no 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 no. It's about it's about everybody along that spectrum enjoying the end game. If it's just for these people up here in the top 10%, I think your end game is going to get so top heavy and dense that it doesn't function well. I, I I could put this in kind of a different perspective, right? As far as like in the film industry, when you make a show or a movie, you take a and you screen, right? And sometimes you get screeners of people that know what type of show that is because they're, they're used to like sci-fi shows. And then other times you do like a cold call and you just get randos, 
right, that are not fans of that type of genre. You just bring them in and let them watch the show, right? And then you get their feedback. Now, from what you're saying is, as a demo, I can see that happening, where if, if a demo comes out, it's a closed beta, and there's the hardcore gamers playing it, and then they bring in a group of people that have never played a game like that, that could be good insight for the devs to go, okay, we're seeing a different perspective of what these people see. But as far as when the game comes out, to to custom, and I see where people would get upset about this, to customize a game for people that might not ever even touch Endgame, is absurd to those people that are in the end game, right? Because they're yeah. like, these people don't even play this and then you're going to listen to them over us. And then that becomes a type of conversation of they're entitled because they put more hours in and, and, and whatnot. I, I think end game, as far as the testing of the demo, I think you're, I think you're right. I think there should be something where casuals can come in and give their input to something that's new, opens up their eyes. Maybe they'll become a more uh, hardcore type of person that goes plays that end game and then the devs get more feedback more information of a wider spread than the people that are just so focused yeah. uh, and they can't see the f- trees type of thing right that's exactly right i think that's the hard that's one of the challenges of using a word like casual because i think i say casual and people picture in their mind yeah like you know a mom or a dad playing once a month and it's like well no 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 no, no. and i also think as Ryan and Chad is saying, like, oh, should they be able to keep up with somebody who's playing 40 hours a week? It's not about keeping up. It's about have you built it in a way to where the person who can only play once or twice a week is enjoying the end game? Because let's be honest, that's what will keep the game going. People are going to complete the campaign and then the end game and the seasonal format, the ongoing format, that right. is the game. That's the game, ultimately. And you have to build it in such a way if it's only built for the top 20 10 or you know 10 or 20 percent i worry that's just very narrow and top heavy i think those people top 10 or 20 percent those people can be very happy and satisfied even if you create cycles circles and entrance points that are also enjoyable by let's say the 30 30 to 60 percent the bottom 10 or 20 percent i don't think those people matter they're going to play the campaign and be like cool story bro and then they're going to walk away you you definitely can't build your end game for them but i do think it's important to get that input from people as you said if they've never played the game before you may get great insight from them to what would make them go into the end game what would turn them off and then suddenly you have a much more diverse and flourishing player base there's a reason that destiny has made so much money and is one of the most successful live service games out there it's because it doesn't just appeal to the dudes that run raids like a maniac and trials like a tryhard like there are there are busy moms and dads and college students that just love running strikes and pubs like that's just what they do you know right well right because even you remember those the stats of of when destiny first came out 80 percent of the people that played destiny one left after the story like they they played the campaign and they were like i'm gone Right? And Bungie for the next couple of years was like, well, we got to do something to get these people come back in. And it, it became more casualified as, as the years went on. Yeah, yeah. And now they've got the seasonal format, but they have yeah. those sort of tip of the pyramid things you can do. You can solo a dungeon. You can run a raid. There's there's right. contest modifier on a raid. There's trials. And that, I think, is going to met out differently in a Diablo I think the Diablo portion of the end game that'll be more intense and more extreme will be significantly larger than just a couple of activities. But what's in Diablo's corner 
is the difficulty spectrum. You could be running circles in the end game at you know nightmare level one, and then the hardcore guys are way up here. You know, and it's bonkers crazy, and the drop rates are great. So I think that's one of the pieces of elasticity they need to pay attention to. Because I'm that player. I'm being honest. I'm taking up for myself a little bit here. I'm a very busy guy, and I want to be able to play infrequently. Yeah. And if I play infrequently, that doesn't mean I don't love the game. It doesn't mean I don't want to play the end game. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to shove me out. You shove me out. That's a lot of people, I feel. Right. I, I The way I play games like this is that... When I get on, I want to be able, if I play for an hour, to be focused and know, like, okay, if, if if this piece of gear drops from this boss, then I'm going to run that over and over and over. And at the end of that hour, if I get that piece, I feel accomplished. I feel like I they've respected my time, right? And then I can move on. What one of the one of the things that really tr- intrigued me of Diablo Four uh, is the world bosses, right? You, yep. you remember when we used to talk about Destiny, and I was like, why don't they have the world bosses yep. like come on to the thing, right? Like you kill this guy and this guy and this guy, and all of a sudden the world boss appears, and then you fight the world boss. When they showed that world boss and they showed the other guys fighting, I was like, oh, I was like. That's what I like. I like because if I just get on to Diablo, I'm just kicking back. I, I have 45 minutes. Maybe I just want to run around the open world, and all of a sudden a boss appears, and I fight a guy, and I and I, I do that, and that's it. Or I do one dungeon, or I do whatever, and then I log off and go play something else, or log on the next day, log on a week. I totally get that hardcore people. Look, hardcore people are always going to be better because just more time, more time. And this is this is like a whole other conversation of why free to play happens and pay to win happens but like time is always the essence of if you have the most time in the world you're going to be the top and you're going to have the stuff to have unless it's pay to win then people have more money than time and then they just pay for that that stuff but when you play a game like diablo people are going to be at that nightmare level where they're going to be like killing things 10 times harder than you are and you're just a casual just playing on like the lower level just enjoying your time killing things right New World kind of does this, where you're kind of like casually going to chop down some trees, go chop down some trees, go do some smaller dungeons, get the loot. Like hardcore people are always going to go to the hard end uh, end game stuff and try to be the best of the best. And then you have the other people that see the end game and they're interested in it because of their friends, or they and they start to invest the time into it or focus their time that they're playing to get to that end game type of stuff, right? So casually. Yes, casual. You could be a casual player, but still be a hardcore player where you value your time and the time that you have on. You're really focusing on what you're doing to get to the end game and do the same things as the other people are doing. Yeah, you're going to get carried. You're going to get pulled through, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm excited that they're doing the closed beta for end game. It really gives me hope, and I'm very, very hopeful that I can start to rotate some of these games because, you know, Call of Duty might get rotated. Diablo might get rotated. I might actually start to have games to rotate in instead of feeling almost not even nomadic, just like a refugee. It's like I don't have any games yeah. that I, I'm playing regularly anymore. And I, I do, I miss that. But I also know that there are extreme expressions of that. The way that, like, New World and Lost Ark, it's like I was going to have to play off stream and, like, change my lifestyle just to keep up. <laughs> It's right, like, right. I'm, I'm not doing that, bro. These games are, I don't know of any game that's that good. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's there's a couple games out there maybe, but uh, as as far as, as far as like changing your lifestyle, I, I, I'm not sure why we have, Did we, I don't think we put God of War Ragnarok on the thumbnail or description. I Other than talking about the install size, 
well, let's save that if we need a nugget at the end. Let's talk about these leaks, because it's a great pivot from Diablo 4, because Diablo 4 had like 41 minutes of gameplay leak, and then GTA had, I don't know, what... The, what Nin- the, like 90 videos, yeah. The whole game leaked. Well, what, what happened here? What happened here, Mike? So, those of you that don't know, I don't know, you're living under a rock or whatnot, but over the weekend, Sunday, I think, early Sunday morning, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, Rockstar got hacked by a potential... 16 slash 17 year old uh kids uh speculatively now they do have a report about three hours ago it says on the evening of thursday the 22nd september the city of london police arrested a 17 year old oxfordshire uh suspect of hacking or suspicious of hacking as part of an investigation supported by the nca uk national cyber crime unit that is part of the uber hack that happened and the rockstar hack now I find this, we we talked about this a little bit last night, where obviously we don't know if there's an actual person yet, right? Speculations, they did arrest someone. We don't know if that person that they arrested is part of this or is guilty of this uh, said leak or hack. Um, What I find interesting is that Rockstar came out, I think it was like late Monday, and they came out with this message from Rockstar. And two sentences that really like peaked me from the two paragraphs. It says, we realized he suffered a network infrastructure in which the unauthorized third-party illegal uh, access the downloadable confidential information from our systems, including early development footage for our next Grand Theft Auto. And, and then the next two sentences are really important. It says, at this time, we do not anticipate any disruptions to our live game services, right? And that's talking about Grand Theft Auto 5 because the reports were that the source code of Grand Theft Auto 5 was, was taken. And then the next sentence, or adding on to that, says, uh, nor any long-term effects on the development of our ongoing projects, which is talking about Grand Theft Auto 6 or whatever else they have working for the source code, because the, the, the leak was also that the source code of Grand Theft Auto 6 also got out. So the hacker uh, that took the information is trying to sell it for five figures, which I find kind of interesting because if it is a 16-year-old or 17-year-old, I don't know if he's just not smart enough to not ask for more money because you're you're doing basically you're 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 trying to uh extort them. Or is he smart enough not to ask for so much because if he does get caught he's going to you know have more penalties because it's so much money, right? I don't know. But still robbing from uh you know like Robin Hood here, I think they feel like they are. Uh I don't care if the kid's 16 or 17 or 18 uh if he's a kid he still needs to get reprimanded jail something taken away there's a report that his father uh because this potential kid who is the the person that's doing it has done this before he hacked microsoft he hacked nvidia he hacked uh uh, i forget what another company and he got caught and they only took him and put him away for like a month and then took his computer away and now he's doing it again and supposedly he's a uh, the head of this this corporation or this uh, group of hackers called uh, uh, Lupus Lupus or uh, I forget what the actual. Uh, so, what does this mean for Rockstar when they came out with this this thing in the two sentences at this time? We're anticipating not any disruptions to the live service games. What do you think, Lono? Do you think that they're calling the bluff of the kid who has the source code, right? Or are they trying to get ahead of it for the investors saying at this time, the, you know, there's no disruptions for the live service aspect and there's no, there's nothing to worry about for the game's projects coming out. Do you think this is more of a, Oh crap, this kid's got our source code and we yeah. can't let us, we can't let them know that we're, we're worried about this. So for the investors cause obviously take two got hit their, their stocks went down a little bit. Um, so do you think this, 
this uh, this jargon that they talk about is that they're actually got their pants down like CD Projekt Red did with their source code? Or do you think that they have it under control where the source code is obtainable and they didn't lose anything? How are you reading this? Yeah, it's so hard to know because a lot if they're if they're being dishonest and they're not telling the truth and then it comes out later that they weren't telling the truth, I kind of feel like shareholders could sue and say, "Hey, you know, you made public statements that weren't accurate." You know, unless they could claim, "Well, at the time we this is what we thought, new information's come to light," right? They'll pull that kind of nonsense where, you know, so many people do that, right? I, I personally know of an organization that's, like, prepared for this sort of thing. So they, if, like, the bad stories come out, they could say, oh, we, this information just came to light. Like, yeah, sure it did. So it's just hard to know with these corporations anymore because they have to protect their interests, but they also, you know, have a duty. They can't just, like, right. lie to the public. They can't lie to their shareholders. As far as these hacks and things are concerned, it's honestly bewildering to me how this even happens. How is a kid getting it? It's this isn't some little indie studio, you you know, like that's that's what always is baffling to me when the biggest companies have these breaches. Now, maybe it's because when you're that size, you have more of a consistent target on your back. So like more people are trying to get in, more people trying to get your stuff. Which just means eventually, eventually, somebody somebody gets through. You know, there, there's cracks in the surface. I I don't know. It always makes me curious if it's if it's if it's because they're so large. Like, does somebody does somebody on the inside let it happen? It, it's I've always struggled yeah. to to know why on earth this always happens to companies of this size. What What do you think as far as <clears throat> if if the source code gets out? Right, it's a single player game majority. Right. So Grand Theft Auto 6 is predominantly a single player game. And yes, there is we don't know, but there could be an online aspect like Grand Theft Auto 5, right? That's the speculations or whatnot. So if the source code gets out, someone in the chat says, What's the difference? I mean, if the if the code gets out, the, the modding for PCs, like what's is is this really a big thing for for losing the source code for a single player? This is not like it's a multiplayer like Call of Duty game, right? This is not competitive. This is nothing. This is just a single player uh type of game. Do you, do you think that the source code getting out is like this? Obviously, I'm speaking from not a dev perspective. I wish Ginger was here because he could give a little bit more light on this. Like the source code for this, I do think is a big deal, right? Because obviously the company thinks it's a big deal because they could lose potential millions of dollars if 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 someone ruins it. But from a standpoint of as a for gamers, I, I don't really think the source code gets out. It ruins anything because there's cheat codes always always have been inside like the Grand Theft Auto games for like unlimited guns and stuff like that anyway, or the the money glitch. Now online is a completely different beast, right? Because they're making multi millions and billions of dollars off of the shark cards and the and the monetization on that end. So right. do, you, do you think the source code is a big deal for for Rockstar in this case if they if it does get you know, out. Well, I mean, cheating is now an economic reality. It's no longer like this black hat under the radar thing. There are companies and, and people that make millions of dollars creating cheats to the point that, you know, cheaters are being sued. Right. Oh, right. A whole, right. It's a whole other division of, of making money. Yeah. There's it's, it's now an economic reality. It's not like this under the radar thing where like some scummy guy is like spreading cheats in like a forum or something. It's literally a, dadgum business at this point to the point that you know there there are huge lawsuits happening 
So yes, their source if their if their source code is out and if it's if it's not just like in the hands of one person, if it gets like legitimately distributed, that's a humongous setback for the launch of GTA Six because they everything's compromised at that point. It's not right. even a matter. It's not even a matter of cheats. People could people could literally shut the the servers down. People could hack in and just turn everything off and 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 completely destroy their ability to have a successful launch. Mm. And anytime anything like this comes out, I remember when the Twitch terms of service got leaked, like the updated potential terms of service, somebody at the company said, you know, you guys that get your hands on this stuff early, you're setting back anything happening, any changes rolling out when you leak it. It's going to take us way longer now. Uh, it's going to take us way longer to release this. It all needs to get slowed down because it all has to basically go back through another review process and a legal approval process. This is obviously a little bit different, but it is a significant setback if your source code gets released because all the cheat codes that could come out and then everything's compromised at that point. Somebody could literally just put, you know, they could bake into the game somehow into the servers, just like a basically a data mining just gathering people's information gathering people's credit cards who knows what they could sort of potentially reverse engineer into the game through the servers and through the source code i'm not even that sophisticated and i know that when when you have the source code of a game or a website that is that's basically like as bad as it can get right that's as bad as it can get like there's not much more they can get their hands on other than everybody's personal information that works at the company and that's that's obviously pretty scary too so i it's bad here's here's another tinfoil hat thing right because leading up to this for years i always covered like the 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 potential leaks grain of salt type of things like grand theft auto 6 was going to be in vice city and the protagonist and what the what it was and what this really did which if people look at it this way right what this really did was everything that was leaked was stuff that was already leaked if that makes sense, right? The, the the speculations of where it was, the protagonists, the locations, the different things that were happening in the game already, these things have been spoke of and talked about for about a year and a half to two years. And then all of a sudden, 90 videos uh, merge out and all the stuff in the videos is basically everything that was already spoken about, right? So now it makes you wonder, like, if nobody gets arrested, Right. And I know there's someone that's arrested, but we don't know if that person is the person that did the job. Right. If this gets brushed up underneath the rug and just this gets leaked out and we never hear about anybody like said said person gets arrested because we found the person. We found our culprit. If nothing happens and there's no charges pressed. Is it actually really happening or is this a ploy? And listen to me. I know I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. I'm not saying Rockstar did this, but what I'm saying is all the stuff that was already leaked. Now it's officially because now we know it's official, right? The, the protagonists, the, the the area, how big the map is type of thing, right? All that stuff was already known. And now it's officially known because of the leak. Now you also look at what the graphics look like. And I don't understand why people are giving them crap because the way it looks, it's literally like two years old uh, of the build, right? Obviously, Rockstar's not going to come out with uh, what looks like Halo Infinite, right? They're going to come out with, with something that looks like Grand Theft Auto. So them leaking the stuff and showing all the stuff that they did some of the videos they took down some of the videos they kept up still you can still go look at some of the videos that are up there um it's interesting to me that now i think they have a jail out of free card right get out of jail free card because there is no release date there is no time frame of when this game's coming out there's speculations and when it's supposed to come out but 
they're still making a crap ton of money off Grand Theft Auto V online, right? Mm-hmm, they're still mm-hmm. making billions of dollars a year off of off of the online version. So they don't have to really release a Grand Theft Auto VI anytime soon because they're still making bank off Grand Theft Auto V. So it makes you wonder that the appetite of people that want to know stuff about this, all of a sudden this gets leaked and now you have the information. You know it's an actual real thing. You know it's actually being made. You know it's actually being worked on. And... Now they can have the get out of free going, oh, well, the source code got out and we can't release it in 2024. It's going to be about 2025, 2026 or whatever. And it doesn't really matter for Rockstar because they're still making a bank off of Grand Theft Auto 5 online, right? Yeah, I, I think I mean, I have to say, I think Paul's bringing up the short term ramifications, you know, a 13 percent stock value drop. You know, it looks pretty bad. I mean, there's stock values like this and then just nosedives. You know, it, it's you also have to understand, too. I mean, they're they're that that graph can be a little misleading. They went from, you know, 120 something dollars a share down to 105. So, you know, it, a approximately almost 16 dollar share value drop. It hurts when you're in the, you know, the sure. 120s. But I, I just don't know if you would have that level of a leak though, so you could delay the game since game delays are so common now. Well, you know? well, I'm not saying they did it on purpose to delay it. What I'm saying is that if they choose to delay it, they have a jail, you know, get out of free card because of the hacker. Right, 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 right. right, right. Yeah. <sighs> At one level, yeah, I could see them saying this is a huge setback, and they're going to use that as a as a delay excuse. I I, I actually could see that, um, you know, being being part of it. I, I definitely don't think that this was something that they hope would happen because there's leaks that are no. definitely planned leaks. They're like, oops, our trailer got leaked. <laughs> and yeah, everybody, yeah. Everybody's talking yeah. about the game, you know, instead well, of you know waiting to release it on their own. Well, that's the other leak, right? Diablo. Right, Diablo got leaked this this past weekend, mm-hmm. and they had forty minutes of gameplay. Some guy from the inside closed uh, beta or whatever, put it up on his Discord to share with his viewers or whatever privately, and then that gets released, and then magically all of a sudden Blizzard's like, "Hey, by the way, you can sign up for the uh, Diablo Four beta." Right? Like to me, like certain things like this, like because I worked in the in the media industry, like. To me, look, I understand there's a person hacking the system and letting the information out. But to me, in this day and age, this brings up the biggest buzz, right? Like people are hyped up. How many people signed up for the beta for Diablo 4 after they saw the footage of 40 minute footage of Diablo, right? How many people were like super excited about Grand Theft Auto finally getting like information about Grand Theft Auto after three years of silence of what was going on with it now they're like oh it's for real you know what i mean like they're 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 like foaming at the mouth sure their stock prices are down right now but all they have to do is show one main teaser of grand theft auto that's coming out two years from now if they have a a full-fledged trailer and everyone forgets about the hack and the stock prices rise dramatically fast You, you see what i'm saying yeah, this one's a little different because it it wasn't even that serious. It was literally just 41 minutes of gameplay. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, yeah. I, we didn't even cover it because I watched it and I was like, yeah. it's like oh. a speed bump. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was like, we've seen a lot of gameplay, bro. Like there's not, it's like, do, 
nothing against Diablo. I want to play it. I'm excited. But once you've seen some gameplay, you've kind of seen some gameplay. So unless he was revealing something very specific and crazy, like some big reveal about a world boss, a character, or something returning, I was like, okay, a, you know. Yeah, it was just a, it was just a barbarian class. Um, him walking around and 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 whatnot. Yeah, like that. If if that was the first time gameplay got out then right. I would be like holy moly that's a big deal but I kind of felt like the timing of it was that got them in the headlines of like ooh content got leaked I went and watched it and what really kind of tipped me off that maybe this wasn't that serious of a leak was one of the it was Game Rant or somebody they had it embedded in their article and I was like oh, really? I was like wait a minute now well, you wouldn't do that no. if this was a serious leak because you know that you could be facing DMCA on the article on your on your platform like right. so I, I saw put, it they didn't put the Grand Theft Auto stuff on their embedded stuff right? no of course <laughs> exactly, not right? of course not I think it, it's and it's always possible that somebody at that publication has a liaison at Blizzard and said, "Hey, is is this is this cool? What are you guys doing with this footage?" And somebody just says, "We're not striking it. We don't really care to do that. It's free press. Go ahead." So more right. than likely, the publication's got the thumbs up. Yeah, you're good to embed that. We're not trying to shut that down. And then you know the the the, the GTA stuff. People's people that were just reporting on the GTA situation were getting struck down on YouTube because it was just they were trying to put the fire out. And you didn't even, people weren't even showing anything. They just had it in their titles and they were getting hit. Now, thankfully, that it all got reversed because a live person looked at the stream and said, no, this guy's just reporting on the news. This is legitimate. So it did come right, you know, before they announced that, oh, hey, we're going to do a closed beta. Um, so I, 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 I think that one might have been a little bit intentional, you know, because they're, they're trying to drum up that interest and get people pumped and get people of talking course. about it. You yeah. Know. Because I, I did a whole video, I did, you know, I did a whole talk show about, you know, hey, there's going to be an endgame beta. Right, and that, and that's just the way the advertisement works nowadays, right? Like, any any news is is good news. Yeah, yes, there's no such thing as bad news, yet there is, right? If Obviously, if your system gets hacked for real. But at the same time, uh, I, I'll let you guys know, I, the reason I bring up this is just for conversation for the show. What I believe is, I do believe Rockstar did get hacked. Right, I do truly believe that they did get hacked, and I believe the statement that comes out with them saying that at this time we do not anticipate any disruptions is more of jargon, though, for to tell their investors like we're okay, right? Until they're not, because if you remember back in I think it was last December or whatever when CD Projekt Red got hacked and they said the source code was out. They said they were fine, and then all of a sudden the source code was literally on the internet, right? So they also lied to their investors at that time because at that time they could they could say no no we're fine because they thought they were fine and then they weren't right so i think this is the same thing i think the hacker actually got something right and then they're just coming out saying at this time we don't expect anything but it still keeps the possibility of the door open where it could delay something down the down the end you know uh, down the road yeah yeah you know when it comes to leaks like this, sometimes it's hard to know what to believe. I mean, because we, we recently reported our, you know, one of our final things to kind of talk about here is there was the Halo Infinite Insider, the guy that can, you know, talks to people at 343. And he said that, you know, Bonnie Ross, her exit was not for medical reasons. He had people right. saying, no, this is, this is Microsoft coming in and cleaning house. They're doing a management restructuring. And 
he even said that the initial plan was to have Halo Infinite be a Destiny-like live service game. And if you kind of combine what he's saying with Jason Schreier's article that said they had this huge, like, open-world-like Zelda yeah. game. Two-thirds. <laughs> yeah, they didn't just scrap... I thought they scrapped two-thirds of the map. The article that Schreier wrote said they scrapped two-thirds of the game. Of the game. Yeah, the game. Yeah. What? I I said years ago, when they first announced Halo Infinite, I said, this is Microsoft's destiny. I was like, they are going to make Halo into destiny. And I got pushback from it. And I'm so glad this actually came out because... It's like vindicated of, see, this was what it's supposed to be. And the only reason I said the way I did is because of Game Pass, right? I talked about this last night on my podcast where the 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 leak of them or the information, I should say, of them being like Destiny and two-thirds got scrapped of the game, right? When they first showed Halo Infinite and Game Pass was just coming out, they were just announcing the 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 process of making halo like destiny where it's a live service game on their platform where they want people to pay monthly makes sense of why they were going to do what they did but they just 343 has always been the poor choice it's like that 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 scene from uh indiana jones and the last crusade you you chose poorly right microsoft with with 343 is the goblet like they 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 picked the pretty one to make the game, but they don't know what they're doing. They've always struggled with Halo Infinite. And now it comes out that this game was supposed to be much bigger than it was. It was supposed to be grander and bigger and better. And we got a half a, a half of a game that it was supposed to. And Bonnie Ross leaving, she was with the company for 27 years. And all of a sudden she's like, yeah, I'm leaving because of medical reasons. But then it comes out that she really didn't leave. Right. And then a guy who's uh, Brian, um, uh, I forget the other guy's name. He, he 25 years with the company. Right. Yeah. These are like these are like old times, old school people in this in this industry. And all of a sudden they're like leaving and it's under the under the radar of, oh, yeah, um, medical reasons. And of course, you're not going to say, well, she's lying. Right. Because you're a decent human being. You're going to be like, oh, well, I hope she gets better or hope her family members get better or whatever. But the the business sense of it is like something's off here right something something's really off and you should have known something was off when people were leaving before and then they brought jason uh, uh you know staten in uh jo- joseph staten joseph, joseph staten in where he's changing certain things completely different and and making a completely different uh you know a, they're making a completely different game now than they were when they originally had halo infinite in their in their head right so it's yeah. a little strange and it's a little weird but i'm glad that jason schreier came out last year and said that two-thirds of the game was 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 gone but we didn't know that and now all of a sudden now all the points are, are lining up and all the things are, are are moving and shaking now we're like oh see see it, it was supposed to be like destiny I, I thought the first trailer made that blatantly obvious, and I remember getting pushback because the first trailer, they zoomed out, and there was all these towers, yeah, and, and I was like, people. yeah, well, I don't remember one with four people. I remember, like, one guy kind of riding, and as he was riding, they zoomed out, and they showed these multiple towers, and I said to everybody, I said, they're going to do an open-world Halo, and everyone's like, no, they'll never do an open-world Halo. I said, that's what that trailer showed me. They right. showed me an open world. He's going to all these different places. I said, I, I think they're going to do an open world Halo. And then Joseph Staten did an interview when they revealed everything. And he said, oh, yeah, you're going to go out on future content. You're going to go out and play as your Spartan. And I said, they're, they're, they're going to shelve Master Chief. You're going to go out as your Spartan. Right. 
And then when they had the armor core system, and people were like, why are there multiple armor cores? I'm unlocking blue, but only for this armor core. I said, those were supposed to be the classes. Like, instead of... Because when you unlock something for your Titan, you don't get it for your Hunter, right? You, the, the cosmetics are totally different in that game. Now, shaders, obviously, in Destiny are, are universal, but the that's what I think they were going to have that be. Yeah. Like, you were going to have different skill trees and different abilities according to the cores themselves, which is why... At an engine level, those cores, those armor cores, all their cosmetics are treated separately at an engine level. Right. That's why. And if you, if you also look at it where it would be like Grand Theft Auto, right? Like you would play the campaign, and at the end of the campaign of Grand Theft Auto, you made your own character to play on Grand Theft Auto Online. That's yeah. the way I th- it would be set for Halo. Halo, you play the, the single player with Master Chief, then you make your own Spartan for the online open world aspect of it, and then you continue on from that, and you're, and you're investing. Because... Halo was supposed to sell consoles, right? Was supposed to sell consoles. It was late to the party because it was a year after the console came out. And then Halo was supposed to sell Game Pass. And that's where they lost the money because Halo didn't sell Game Pass. Halo didn't even sell games very much, right? Like the the player player count is down. This is this is a franchise for the whole organization, and yet it it was underwhelming. Uh and and if you're a Halo fan, I know there's a lot of you out there, you're gonna fight me on this and just be like, no, Halo's awesome. It's it's it might be fun for you. But it's a shill of what it was, or a sh- yeah, a shell of what it was, uh, what it was supposed to be, right? So, uh, G- Game Pass is the key, and they screwed it up big time. And now they're now they're shuffling. And even with the the management change, it's going to take at least two years to fix their mess that they're doing right now, right? If you bring someone in last week and they start moving the moving the parts, I mean, season three is what coming out in March. Right, like eight months after the last seasons came out, and it's going to take time. So you're not going to see. But the, they said themselves that Halo Infinite is not going to make or break the franchise, and they had a ten year plan. And they, it doesn't matter if they put content in those ten years. It's slowly but surely they have ten year plan for this game, and mm-hmm. they'll turn it. They'll turn it around, and we'll talk about this uh, in the future. Is this the No Man's Sky? Did they do a No Man's Sky? Did they change it? Did they fix it? Well. The, a tweet yesterday from Joseph Staten is actually, I think, pretty telling because, you know, Paul put it in the Discord. He said, you know, this is one of the few, one of the Halos where you don't play as Master Chief. Joseph Staten tweeted yesterday and said, Halo 3 ODST remains the highlight of my game development career, and it's an example of why I love the Halo universe. It's a place where you can tell countless different kinds of stories. I would love to do something like ODST again someday. Hashtag prepare to drop so yeah he's basically saying that's where i want to take the game i want to take the game in that direction to where you are not playing as master chief you're charting your own stories multiple different types of stories i think i think that's where they want to take the game and the person that they put in charge you know they, they get rid of bonnie ross and they put pierre in charge he's not just in charge of halo infinite he's in charge of the master chief collection and and also all future Halo titles. Right. So do you think there's a possibility that they basically shelve Halo Infinite early so that they can launch the actual live service version that they wanted to launch? Because why would you say all future Halo titles? Like, what are you talking about? Halo Infinite's supposed to be like a 10-year game. Do you honestly think this... What is this guy committing to be at the company for that long? He's going to be at the company beyond Halo Infinite? Like, what is it? What does that? What could that possibly mean? I 
I think the way it's worded, it, I don't think there's going to be other Halo games. I don't, I don't think we're going to get Halo 6 and 7 and 8. I think Halo Infinite is that live service game. I think what they had originally and got scrapped, based on what, uh, what they're saying, I, I feel like they are now going back to that again, right? They're going to switch it around and try to put that back and make Halo Infinite into that live service aspect because again game pass is the thing right and it doesn't matter if they come out with halo six seven eight nine and put it on game pass why why go to the next halo game where you have a halo game and you can just keep adding to it so it could be expansions that they just keep adding to halo infinite so instead of having um you know the numbers behind like destiny did you have like lightfall and you know shadow keep and all that stuff they can make expansions onto what halo infinite already is i think going into the future that's that's the way i i take it yeah i could see that it would be interesting for them to suddenly scrap it i i would actually if i was putting money on the table and betting i would think that they would be trying to do Ironically enough, they're going to try and do what Destiny did. Funny enough that Joseph Staten basically got removed from that project because they had right. such an artistic divide and his supercut was essentially rejected by higher-ups at Bungie. And now, ironically enough, he's going to be one of the people at the helm doing the same thing with Halo. Basically saying, well, let's let's fix this game. Let's slowly turn this into the live service game that we wanted it to be because more and more I've had these discussions with my audience and Ginger's talked about it and it seems to be sort of the general idea that the best live service games, the best MMOs, the best ongoing games they get there over time they don't typically launch in that state, I mean that's something that you know, Ginger's been, you know, really really pounding on that drum for New World and, you know, Halo Infinite could be in a similar spot and I think that's why they wanted to do the the management restructuring because I said this the other day, if they can't pull this game out of the fire, once Microsoft owns properties the size of Call of Duty, I think it'd be really easy for them to say, hey, 343, you're now quality assurance for Call, right. of, for Call of Duty. Right. We're done right. with one Halo. Of, yep, one of, the, one of the studios from Call of Duty takes it over. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, you're, 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 su- you're support staff for COD now. We're going to downsize you. We're going to shrink you. And no more Halo. We're, we're done with this franchise for now. We're going to have one of the studios that works on COD try to figure this thing out. You know, we're relaunched in a couple of years. Because when you have a platform in a game that size, and you look at the, the money that there's, there's just no way Halo Infinite's generating any money. It just can't be generating enough to warrant the continued efforts. So this, to me, this is it. This is the last-ditch effort. This is the Hail Mary. This management restructuring, and I would actually say... They'll give them. I think they're going to give them two or three years. Yeah. And if if there's not a noticeable turnaround, I think we will see Halo ride off into the sunset, and Microsoft will say, "We own Activision Blizzard now. We, the the, the, the right. flag our flagship titles are a thousand times larger than Halo." Right. When you own Call of Duty, that that really I think changes things. Did did you curious? Did you play Halo's campaign? Halo Infinite's campaign. I probably got two hours into it and I was enjoying my time with it and it just wasn't something that fit with our daily regiment and streams yeah. and I wasn't enjoying it enough to go back and play it. Like if I have time to play a game on my couch, it ain't going to be Halo Infinite. I typically dip my yeah. toe in like I'll do one of the daily challenges in Returnal or slowly finish clearing the map in Ghost of Tsushima or something. It just it wasn't enough for me to want to go back ever really unless 
unless there was a reason to like for the next season or some kind of an expansion i might consider doing it i i didn't play it and the reason i didn't play is because i've played every halo game co-op with my brother and you couldn't play it right and to me they've already burned the bridge with me because i'm never i don't think i'll ever go and play that campaign and i know people will look at me and go oh you're missing out it's a great campaign but the fact that i can't play it with my brother for the last like year right i'm just like man time is gone because now there's other games coming out and now i'm not going to have time just like you said if i have time to play something i'm not going to go back and play halo right i'm going to go play the newest game that comes out we didn't i mean we didn't even cover that on this show they 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 they, they shelved split screen forever just not happening no split screen and then you know co-op is like what's gonna finally come in i think the winter in november and at that point it it's one of those things that kills me because like it's great that they took the time to build that and to do that but it's also like by the time you implement that who gives a frick right who cares (laughs) you, you spend all that time in development for what maybe a couple thousand people are gonna play that thing on co-op by the time it gets there like talk about an absolute waste of bandwidth and development and resources to build that so late in the life cycle it's like hey guys we we finally added the ability for you to replay missions and by then you know the audience is gonna be like who cares bro like it's the ship has sailed my man like and it makes me sad because it is in many people's memory and their in their experience as a gamer it's the quintessential co-op gaming experience and it's and it's sitting there yeah it's what the game was known for yeah, it, it's it literally looking... launched the whole market of of what it was people loved halo for co-op they're like this is amazing you could play with your friends and, and whatnot and then the last two games it didn't come out with five right away right it was like i forget how how many months afterwards they added co-op and then they, they're like, we're never going to do that again. We're never not going to put co-op again. And the game comes out, remember, a year delayed. A year delayed. Yeah. And then it comes out, and then they still don't have co-op a year after the uh, it comes out late. It's like, what are you doing, 343? What are you doing? Do you know, do you know why there's no co-op? Because they were building a destiny game and destiny games don't have co-op they have like open world drop in drop out net code and when that got scrapped they didn't have there was nothing there it was like well now we have to build a co-op system because we weren't going to do a co-op system like you don't really play destiny co-op you go into like a lobby or someone's instance or someone's party it's not like you're joining a borderlands or a halo play session it's it's completely different so it's like right they 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 more than likely had it to where because like you're seeing these videos now people like figuring out how to hack and they you know they're playing like eight player co-op campaign well yeah the engine can do it because they they were building the destiny halo you were going to be running around the open world with a bunch of other spartans and and that's why there was no split screen because right. it wasn't going to be that kind of game. There's no split screen in Destiny. Why? Well, you don't need that. Just get a second console, obviously, second TV, and then you just play together, which is not ideal. I mean, couch co-op is wonderful, but I think the more and more games get pushed graphically, couch co-op becomes difficult because you have to render everything twice, right. and your frame rate goes in the toilet. So I I don't know. It's It's gotten to the point where... I feel sad about the title. It's like my word, you I guys. Do. You know, you've fallen so far down, and 
all of the people that were sort of waiting and hoping and and, and really pulling for this game that it's funny they're still they're still there man they're so faithful they're like man this game it's good. when Forge comes out, you know, I've been told so many times Forge is going to save oh. this game. And the Forge is pretty dope. I've seen some amazing yeah. things well, built in already. Because 343 can't build the actual things they want to build. So they're making you build the stuff so you have more fun in the game. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, can, you imagine, can you imagine? I'm sorry. Can you imagine the Mario in Nintendo all of a sudden the next Mario game comes out and it doesn't have two player like it's just a solo game and you're like wait a minute every mario game from the beginning of time you could play with mario and luigi there's like yeah we just we forgot to put it in this one sorry we'll, we'll we'll see you on the next one well mario galaxy 1 and 2 and then what was it mario odyssey the two player was a little like they weren't really playing with you they were like helping you know what i mean they were like uh well, i'm talking about i'm talking about the the original side scrollers as a, not not the 64 type of stuff like mario deluxe you can play two three four player type of stuff right 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah and i and i do think that w- it's when it's a first party title like that it, it just it just makes it kind of worse because i was saying oh i i think microsoft wants starfield to be their their new flagship but after the blizzard activision acquisition i'm sitting here thinking no no, they that's not what they're doing. They they're going to they're going to lean on these these Blizzard Activision titles cuz I think Starfield I I think Starfield's going to have a have a rough launch personally. Oh, of course. And they don't of want course. that they don't want it to be the flagship. I that that's going to be an interesting cuz I had somebody get in my DMs and he said, "Hey, you know, you've been really hard on this Xbox Series S." He's like, "You know, Deathloop's over there running solid 60 frames per second." And when I pressed, it's like, yeah, and it's running a dynamic 1080. So it's doing the same thing right. Halo Infinite's doing. It's like, you're st- look at Deathloop's graphical fidelity, and it's running like a 1080 to get 60 frames per second. And if that doesn't cause you to be concerned about how Starfield's going to run on the Series S, I don't feel like we're looking at the same video games. Th- th- this is going to be, th- it's going to be a hard, hard go for Microsoft because the Blizzard Activision deal isn't going to do much for them in the near future. In the near future, they're staring down the barrel of two potential bad launches because Redfall is also shaky in my mind because of how they built the co-op system. And it looks like it's going to be a good game, but it also looks like it's going to have things baked into it that feel sort of dated and and they don't make any sense. But then Starfield is going to be a first-party title that more series s consoles are in circulation than series x which we're i think we're facing a cyberpunk situation personally that people are going to say why did you launch this over here it's so bad yeah i i agree and then i I think a lot of the games and this is me not crapping on xbox in any way shape or form it's just making an observation like all their first party titles like playground games is making fable right and I, I think Playground Games makes fantastic car games, right? Like, I love the Forza Horizon games. I'm a little worried that they're making a Fable game, an action-adventure RPG that they've never made before. I don't know if their engine could do what it is, right? And that's a first-party title coming out, and Matt Booty wanted to show it ahead of time, and Playground Games is like, no, we don't want to show it yet. 
and he, he was trying to force them to show it. And I, it's a smart move that Playground Games didn't show it, right? So I'm worried about Fable. I'm worried about Starfield. I'm worried about Redfall, right? All these first-party title games that are supposed to come out that are got delayed and pushed back. Sure, it got delayed and pushed back because of what's happened with the with the the, the plague and stuff that happened the last couple of years. But I'm worried, like because. Game Pass is such a great value because there's so abundance of these games. But when these first party title games come out and they're not complete, like I love Sea of Thieves, but when Sea of Thieves came out, it was a it was a, such a shell of a game. Like you only had three 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 uh three things to do, factions to do. There was nothing to do. It's just it was such a completely different game than what it is now, four years later. Same with Fallout seventy six, and same with all these other games. And I just feel like. All of these first-party title games that are coming out for Xbox, they worry me because of Game Pass, because they don't have to come complete. They just have to come out, right? And then slowly build up over the years to make them a better game over the next four years because they want to keep your monthly fee every month, keep coming back. Hey, look, we just we just made this game, and uh, it's it's okay now, but it's going to be great in year two. Wait, wait, wait till see what happens in year three. And that's what worries me about the about Game Pass's value that we have. Yeah, I think Game Pass will be killer when they can stack, you know, Blizzard Activision titles on it. I mean, that's going to be a massive win. I mean, anybody on Game Pass being like, I just got the latest Call of Duty for it's just included. You know, I just got this. I just got that. I I think that's going to be a huge win for them. I, I think, sadly, sadly, I think that there there is going to be such a long road to get there though it's more and more and more i think microsoft's payout is like 10 years from now when they're sort of i think they're going to be sort of interwoven into the gaming ecosystem in such a unique way with cloud-based gaming they'll have game pass on televisions and phones and yeah. and you know mobile gaming devices. I think that's when you're going to start to see a lot of this pay off. I I do think that their strategy has a a lot of potential, but at the moment you it's just you can't see it because all you're seeing is delay, 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 and the real real danger is their biggest forefront titles. Forza did well, Halo did not, and right. Starfield's right around the corner along with Redfall waiting to be either mediocre or not so great like i actually i will absolutely be elated if both redfall and starfield blow me away because they're my kind of game like yeah but i'm being super apprehensive because they're they're venturing into categories that are incredibly difficult to do and they haven't shown anything to give me confidence up to this point but even if they come out and they're not good they're on Game Pass, right? And you didn't you, you didn't shell out seventy dollars to play it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's what everyone goes back to. They're like, well, I didn't I didn't pay full price for it, so I'm okay. But get it'll let them take time to to fix it, right? That's the mentality now. Yeah, well, that'll see, and that'll be the thing is if that's the case, will it continue to be this sort of narrative of well? It's all 343's fault. And then, uh, I, was that all going to be blamed on Bethesda? Or are people going to start to realize that there seems to be something amiss with the developers underneath Microsoft? Because yeah. I, I, for, I forgot about Sea of Thieves and how 
how thin of a game it was at launch. Like they so nailed thin. they nailed so much. Like Halo nailed gunplay and movement. Like it just feels good to be in Halo, but then everything else is like what what in the world's happening here? And they nailed sailing in the world of, of Sea of Thieves. Every time I'm in that game, I'm like, man, I wish this game was built for what I want to do with it. But back then there was like nothing nothing. Like nothing, nothing there was nothing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Chad, I want to make it, make it clear. I'm not talking about Game Pass as a whole, like it's a it's a, it's the downfall. I'm talking about the first party titles that Microsoft is working on for Game Pass, right? Like Game Pass is a great deal, especially if you have kids and, and whatnot. And the, and then the indie games that are on there, and the smaller non AAA games on there, lots of games to play and try. I'm talking specifically their first party titles that are just going to drag you along because that's what's selling Game Pass, right? You're not. No one's getting no one's getting Game Pass because Slime Rancher Two just came out. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, Slime right. Rancher 2 is just a bonus to be on Game Pass. You're, you're getting Game Pass because of Halo Infinite. You're getting Game Pass because of Fable. You're getting because of Forza, right? So you, you want to sell... Like, in the past, they were selling these games to sell the systems. Now they're selling these games to sell the service, right? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell Game Pass as the service because they don't really care if you buy the console or if you play on the mobile phone or you play on your television set or you play... A, they don't care. They just want you to get the monthly subscription so you can get all these access to this these games. Yeah, and I think that's the goal is get people in the funnel. I think then mm-hmm. they'll raise the price. And then I think that's when you'll really, really start to see, you know, people's minds maybe shift a little bit on it is the the danger of when they raise the price will be, you know, all the people that you've put in the funnel, will they feel like, hey, wait a minute, you know, you, you haven't really done much for, you know, for this for this funnel of content it's it's it just isn't good enough yet and they'll feel like oh man i'm, I'm out of here because that's always the danger you know you got you got netflix talking about an ad an ad running low subscription tier model and and people are losing their dadgum minds right you know. and in whenever you look at that community and consumer response you've really got to wonder if you're going to raise the price on Game Pass, which has been an absolute bargain up to this point, you have people signing up for like a dollar for like a whole year, and suddenly you raise the price, man, buddy, you better have some really, really good pieces of content in there or they're going to bail. And then the, then the danger becomes, do people just sign up for Game Pass for a particular game that month and then cancel? Does it become, sure. does it become a, churn, a churn and burn funnel where no one's actually maintaining the subscription because, well, I just got it so I could play this game. I basically got this game for 15 or $20 instead of 60 You know, because if, like, let's just imagine, uh, let's just say there's a Call of Duty Black Ops 2 remake or kind of what they're doing with Modern Warfare 2, and Microsoft owns Call of Duty at that point. So instead of buying Call of Duty, the newest Call of Duty for like 60 or or seventy dollars. Somebody's like, "Well, I can just sign up for Game Pass for fifteen or twenty bucks, play it for free, right. and then after a month, I'll I'll cancel." Like that's another. So, I think that's another risk that they're going to run. Well, this is why they have to keep bringing third party games on there because they're waiting for the first party titles to be finished, and they have to bring in those third party games to keep you coming back each month. Look, look put in perspective. Uh, there was an article: Star Citizen just passed five hundred million dollars in their lifetime for ten years that they've been in alpha. Okay, Microsoft in two months can pay for what 10 years they brought in for Star Citizen, right? Do do we understand the concept of how much money Microsoft's making each month? 250, $300 million a month 
off Game Pass, off just 25 million people, right? If they're all paying average of $10, that's $250 million. Two months, they can fund a project like Star Citizen for 10 years off of two months, right? So they're 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 just trying to get as much stuff as possible on there so you come back every single month maybe try out slime rancher for this month maybe try out you know a fallout 76 maybe try out sea of thieves maybe try out halo infinite every month they just want you to pay that 10 15 bucks and they're making a killing man they're mm -hmm. making a killing it's a such a, a smart business decision that they've done they they did it with computers with with windows and now they're doing it with video games with the service on on the consoles right yep yep and you know it's we'll see we'll see i i want i want a lot of the stuff that they've they've owned and a lot of stuff they have coming down the pipe i want it to be amazing i think people always think i'm like being a hater and it's like man i'm in their corner i want this stuff to really deliver guys we're gonna actually get ready to shift gears here so if we could get more likes on the video we need about 14 more I'm going to give Mike a chance to tell you where to find all his content. We're going to go to the members only after show. And you want to know what me and Mike think about Twitch? We're not going to talk about that on a public viewed podcast, but we both have streamed over there and uh, I'm sure we have plenty of things to tell and talk about. So it might be a great time to become a member and don't forget a lot of things still happening today. We're going to do this after show with members. Then we're going to head over and watch my reaction to the prestigious key video he's very upset about modern warfare 2 and i take his video to task i think he does a a pretty poor job thinking about the new game and the new patches and then tonight is the big members only night we're going to be playing the modern warfare 2 beta together you guys unlocked a bunch of great stuff so make sure you have alerts turned on and you're in the discord so you don't miss out on all the awesome stuff mike where can they find your content and when's it best to engage with you uh, you can find me over on youtube.com slash 30 and still gaming, or you can just type in 30. That's the number 30, the letter N still gaming, all one word. Uh, and on, in Google and you'll, you'll find me on my Twitter and you'll even find my Twitch, even though I don't stream over there anymore, but you can find all my content there. Uh, or you can go to 30 and still gaming dot live, which is my website, uh, which also has all my content there as well. Bring you to my YouTube channel. Uh, I stream Monday through Thursday in mornings from 10 o'clock in the morning to about noon Eastern. I do a show called the daily grind, which goes over games, entertainment, pop culture. We talk about that in the mornings. And then we also do 30 plays in the evenings, 8 PM Eastern Monday through Thursday, uh, or Monday through Wednesday. And then Thursday night I do, a my flagship podcast, which is Generation X Gaming, which is a weekly podcast that goes over a few of the top stories in the past week, and we rant uh, along the way. So that's where you can find me. Perfect. If you guys typically tune into me during the daytime, I know those evening those evening blocks of time aren't necessarily good for a lot of you, but those of you who tune in on Friday night, that same time block, Mike's going live on Thursdays with his brother. I've been on that podcast many times. You definitely should check it out. So if that time of the day you're looking for something to watch on YouTube and you, you hang out with me on Fridays, I don't stream in the evenings on Thursdays. Go check out Mike and McCluskey. It's a great time. Hope you enjoy it. If you're listening to this podcast and all the other places that it hits, be sure to check out Reforge Gaming on YouTube. We do a live talk show all throughout the week, and then on Fridays we do the Reforge Roundtable. And uh, we are looking to maybe fill out the table a little bit more we're trying to get somebody else we're reaching out to some people so that mike and ginger and i have one more person here so on these weeks where mike or ginger can't make it we do have we do have three we used to kind of have four back when the table went by a different name so we're going to be ending this stream and heading over to a members only reforge roundtable after show perfect time right now to become a member or even gift some members i'm going to click live on that stream and do the intro and then i'm going to end this stream and bring you guys over 
hey, if you guys clicked on this, you probably missed it. You missed our our live roundtable after show. Mike and I are going to be discussing a lot of the stuff happening over there on the Purple platform. A lot of drama, a lot of craziness. They're uh, they're cutting pay to people. So I want to get his thoughts on this. Uh, I'm going to end the previous Reforge roundtable episode and bring everybody over. Don't forget if you're watching this as a member and it's still Friday the 23rd, Friday nights are the streams with my wife. They're a blast so make sure you set aside that time so you can be here and Friday the 23rd tonight we will be playing the Modern Warfare 2 beta together and that should be an absolute blast and we hope to see a bunch of you 